Welcome to The Peel, where we break through the surface of sustainability in Florida and get to the juicy stuff at the center of it all. I'm your host, Amber Whittle, Executive Director of South Face Sarasota. We're a nonprofit that is increasing the resilience, affordability, and health of Florida's buildings and communities, and we're saving the planet along the way. Check out our programs and events at southface.org Sarasota. Our guest today is Maven Rogers, Chief Sustainability and Resiliency Officer for the City of Palm Coast. Welcome, Maven, and thanks for joining us on The Peel. Yeah, thanks, Amber. I'm excited for today's conversation. So what does a Chief Sustainability and Resiliency Officer do? You know what? I think that is a great question um, because that is one of the first questions I get asked when I meet someone. It's like, oh, okay, so what do you do? And I will have to say that I do believe that when you're in this role, sometimes it is left up to the interpretation of the individual in the role and based on the organizational needs. And so um, coming from a local government perspective, you know, we cover a wide range of areas. And, you know, basically my strategic approach, what is the city lagging in? you know, what, what, what can we do better? How can our functions, you know, be better, you know, and, and really benefit our residents and nature? Um, how do we keep up with the newest innovations coming out, especially given the fact that we only have tax dollars to work with? We have a limited amount of, of, of funding coming in, right? And transform and pioneer the landscape. And so these four categories are really what make up, um, to, in my opinion, a Chief Sustainability and Resiliency Officer position. So I'm looking across the board at all the ways we're operating, at different um, ways, you know, how where the money's flowing into, how is it going out, what is prone to development, what are we conserving, and really kind of taking these four concepts and looking at them and, and really crit critiquing and, and coming at it from a very strategic approach um, that would best benefit the cities our employees and our residents, right? Always going to be a team-led effort um, because as an office of one right now, you know, you need a team. You need people to be on board with these concepts. And, and I'm very excited because I have a great team here. They've already been working on um, some sustainability initiatives before even coming in that no one even realized were sustainability, right? They were just doing it for the better of the environment. Um, so it really just depends on... Um, the person and their role. I will say um, some of the things that I'm working on now go anywhere from renewable energy to energy efficiency to electrification of our fleets, right? Because that's the way we're transforming and pioneering into the new world. Uh, water conservation is a big one and qual water quality, um, as well as exploring how as a city, we can actually reduce our carbon footprint and, and provide some strategies. So it really differs on, um, on, on who is in the role and what they what they see as their goals. Yeah, and probably the opportunities at the moment, right? Because of federal funding, there's a lot of money coming down for cities and counties um, that's taxpayer money still, but just a wider tax base. Yes, yes. And it, and it, and it, it's exciting, right? Because we're we're decreasing the green premium now, you know, because you're the federal government is helping local governments cover that upfront cost so we can save in the long term. If I have an electric vehicle, well, guess what? I don't have to pay for it to go to my fleet to get oil changes. 
right? Um, I don't need to pay for gas anymore. You know, a kilowatt hour at an EV charger is much less expensive than, you know, what we're paying at the tanks. And so um, really having these upfront investments is critical. And then it provides these savings long term. So it's, so it's amazing because, you know, I know so many governments, I mean, we'd all love to have net zero buildings, right? Um, but the upfront costs, the battery, the solar, all these things um, are held in account and can be huge barriers for local governments. Absolutely. I think that was definitely the idea behind it, right? Let's, and this is um, our, one of my colleagues calls it an energy endowment because these, this is money you save every year. So even though it's a big upfront cost, you'll save it every year in pretty much in perpetuity or at least until you have to replace those things. Which is which is a wonderful step for a government to take because we know we'll be around, right? And you know, because I do see businesses and things, you know, have that kind of apprehension behind. Well, why would I invest in solar? Because I'm not going to see my payback in 20 years, and you know, I might be leaving, or you know, someone that's buying a homeowner that's buying a property, and then they're going to maybe flip it, or the idea is to rent it later on, you know. And um, how can we convince those people it's a worthwhile investment? Is something I think it, the federal government is also exploring by these incentives, trying to drive down that cost. So at least short term, you can see more of a payback. Absolutely. So tell me what the difference is between sustainability and resilience. I have a strong opinion on the word sustainability, and I would say that I don't like it um, because <laughs> I think that um, the word sustainability in itself, if you look up the definition, right, it means to sustain systems for future generation. Well, it's 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 a moving target. Sustainability has become a moving target and it's been able to be used in multiple areas where really that's not what we do. Right. And so, um, for instance, you know, we have um, a project coming up. It's going to be, you know, we're going to widen a road. Right. We have a population growth, things like that. Well, um, you know, it, it we got at some point it got put under sustainability. And I was like, oh, well, you know, I don't think that widening roads is to me inherently is not a sustainability project because you're actually increasing the likelihood more people will take that road. Right. And in sustainability, the mindset is to get the cars off the road. What can we do? Does it fall under sustainability? I think that's a little questionable. And um, and and they brought up a good point, right? They said, well, no, it is sustainability because it is providing the infrastructure needed for future generations. And so I found it very interesting conversation. And I said, you know, you're right. You are right. It does provide an infrastructure need based on, you know, future generations. And so I feel that sustainability is a little bit of a moving target. And, um, and you Can know, I, I oftentimes, yeah, I was yeah, going to go say ahead. that might not be true, right? Future generations might be using public transport or hovercrafts. So maybe they'll be using the road for something else. But I don't know that that holds water for future generations, right? Yeah, I mean, I I would I would hope that we we move to a model of much more efficiency, you know, because who really likes to drive? Yeah, I mean, on, me. I mean, it's nice to take a thirty minute drive, or you know, but a lot of drivers actually want to get off the road, and you know, we see countless numbers of deaths nationally each year of people losing their lives just because they were driving, you know, and traffic gets bad and accidents happen. I mean, people. People, you know, we look at people dying all the time and we call that a public health crisis. But when we look at transportation, we just accept it. 
And really, it's not acceptable. And we have innovation that can that can lead the way and, and get these cars off the road. So absolutely, I, I would I would hope that we can really push that initiative forward. Absolutely. So tell me about resiliency then. So yes, yeah, so um, resiliency on the resiliency side of the house, really, it's about how do we, you know, in my opinion, it's about how do we plan and build in a way that's going to allow our community to bounce back from extreme weather events or extreme events. Really taking a look at you know, the building portfolio. So right now we're looking at our building assets, right? How do we harden our buildings? What buildings are we going to use for, you know, um, emergency shelters, you know, things of that nature. And resiliency in the state of Florida, from what I'm seeing, as far as grants go, is everyone's talking about stormwater. You know, how, you know, all this flooding issues are, you know, coming from stormwater systems and things like that. Um, And not, well, let me take that back. They're not coming from the stormwater systems, right? It's coming from the increased rain in itself. So how do we, how can we amp up our stormwater infrastructure to handle this increased amount of rain? I mean, we saw from the recent storms, right? The longevity of of, of these rainfalls, it, it's just lasting longer. And now we have to make new plans. And so, um, you know, it just really kind of depends on, you know, what, your needs are. But I think resiliency in the grand scheme of things, it's often um, you want it to come back to its to its original form. And um, that's the kind of the resiliency efforts is looking at those stretches of, of, of different events that could happen, like a hurricane, extreme heat and things of that nature. And how can we make sure our community is safe and have the resources that they need um, to make sure that it's a, you know, a safe um, and viable living environment? Yeah, I would make one point about stormwater. A lot of what's happening is all the development. So that stormwater used to percolate into the ground and now it's being captured into stormwater systems. So stormwater systems now have so much more water in it. Just um, water quality, part of water quality is water quantity too. So, and I would say there's lots of resilience, right? So there's like economic resilience. When we're talking about doing your EV fleet or doing solar, that's all economic um, resilience Mm -hmm. too, which is super important. Absolutely. I would completely agree. The more concrete, where does your water go, right? Because it can't go in the ground and replenish aquifer. It's going to go into your stormwater systems. Absolutely. So do you see benefits for your citizens in the new federal funding opportunities? And how will you how will you communicate that to them? Yes, um, we do see benefits. You know, we're I, I feel like everyone's still kind of holding on to their seat. You know, we've been waiting in anticipation, you know, as as things are coming out. Um, but really seeing, you know, the the major things are going to be, you know, the energy efficiency and optimization upgrades that our residents can make to their homes, as well as, you know, if they want to make the transition to electric vehicle, uh, which we're very excited about. So we're kind of, you know, on hold with that to really see what the whole program's going to look like. But our community outreach, we do plan on, you know, obviously putting it up on our website, but we also want to hold events um, and workshops for our residents to come in and really learn how this is going to work and what it looks like when you actually go to pay your bill. Um, And, you know, how can you get the best? Because I know um, right now there's talk about, you know, at the point of sale for low income residents that they would be able to take a bit, take, you know, immediate benefits off the rebates. 
but we don't know exactly what that's going to look like or how that's going to look like. So we're just kind of waiting around to see, okay, this is 100% sure what this is going to look like. And then now we're going to go educate our residents um, and, you know, host those at different community centers, even, you know, partnering with our local schools um, to try to get that information out. And, you know, even putting papers in kids' backpacks at elementary schools go a long way to actually get to parents. Um, so, you know, different things of that nature. Um, but yes, we definitely want our residents to take the most advantage of that, of the, of these programs. I'm very glad to hear that and that you guys will be doing so much outreach. We just had a really interesting podcast with John Cook. Um, he's a science um, denial or climate change denial uh communications expert. And he was saying they're seeing the latest trend they're seeing is a switch from um, climate change denial, so from like science denial to now solutions denial. So if you go out to your residents, just keep that in mind because they might, you know, hit back with like, oh, we don't have enough lithium on earth to like for us all to drive EVs or, you know, solar doesn't work because of the night. So you just um, make sure you guys have your counter arguments ready. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Um, no, that's a that's a great point because you know we want to make sure that we're providing thorough education. I mean, this stuff's hard, right, Amber? I mean, there's a lot of systems thinking, and you know, and and there there is no perfect solution. You know, we all all we are going to have to we're going to have some impacts, right? And so we just have to weigh those out and figure out what works best. Absolutely. So, what was your path to being a chief sustainability and res resiliency officer? I always love to hear how people got to their current position. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I think, um, you know, so I, I'm originally from West Virginia and I uh, came down to Florida for, for different opportunities. You know, I was kind of seeing up there that there wasn't as many opportunities as, as I would like. So I, I finished my education at the University of Central Florida and I received a master's in communication. Um, and that really led me to, you know, I always knew I wanted to work for government. So ever since I've been 14, 15 years old, I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to work for government. I didn't know in what capacity um, I knew I wanted to help people. And I felt that that was the avenue to do so. And so um, I was always kind of eyeballing it. And then there's this great program called AmeriCorps Vista that I participated in. And um, it's a federal funded program for cities. And, you know, you basically kind of come on, it's a one year type of position. And uh, you work in some area of low income. So I was working a lot in urban agriculture and things like that. And um, I was so excited to get the job. But when we were at the training um, for AmeriCorps, you know, they were talking about these different areas of philanthropy, right? And, you know, where they saw the funding and where things were going. And, and the environment was the bottom. <laughs> so it was the least funded sector. And I said, okay, well, that's the hardest one. I'm going for it, you know, because... Um, <laughs> <laughs> which was probably crazy, but I've always, you know, I've always, that's always been a, you know, a big, huge part of my heart. And, um, and it was really important to me to, you know, kind of, cause I know I have a lot of grit and a lot of resilience. And so, um, I, I, that's when I made the decision that this was going to be my step moving forward. And so I, um, you know, from AmeriCorps Vista, I joined the Office of Sustainability with the city of Orlando. And then I hopped over to Orange County government, which I'm so glad I got those both 
from the city level to the county level experience um, because I got to see how both of them work and how they're different than each other. And that was really valuable. And then now um, I'm here at Palm Coast. So it's been, it's been really great, um, you know, right on the, 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 you know, right at the beginning of the field. So it's been exciting to see how much has changed in the last five, six years. Yep. And I mean, Orange County and City of Orlando have really been leaders um, in the entire sustainability, probably now resiliency, right, uh, movement. But I was going to say you're absolutely right about philanthropy. So it's six to seven percent of the total donations go to the environment. And that includes like cats and dogs and animal shelters, et cetera. So it's really about one percent goes to actual environmental causes. And that's why I think government is so important, because in certain places, uh, most of the land conservation is from the military, not on purpose, but that's what hasn't been developed are the military lands, you know, that you see that up in North Florida, you see that in Hawaii, um, you see that in California. So I do think, and of course, all of our national parks, we have the best national park system in the world, um, other countries model off of us. And so I think that there are really, really important um, aspects that government can play in that. Oh, absolutely. I think I think it is really important to, you know, especially because we are the ones providing the permits, right? Um, at the local level, we're providing the permits for people to come in and develop and things like that. So really the planning and everything really happens at the local level. And, you know, how can we start funneling these dollars, which I think we're at a really good starting point. Um, but I do think that we do need some more dollars going into conservation of land specifically. Yep. We do. We do. There's we they said in in someone has said in Sarasota County in the next like by did he say 2050, 2040, that all the land was going to be accounted for is either going to be conserved, developed or slated for something. And so our time yes. to actually be able to buy that land is narrowing. Yes, yes. And, you know, and and how do we encourage private landowners not to sell? Because what we do know is that, you know, I think it's um. 60% of the of, of our land in the United States is privately owned. Well, if everyone goes to sell and develop their land and make that profit, what does that look like? I mean, we're destroying ecosystems throughout that. And what we know about Florida is I think Florida has about 81 viable ecosystems in the state. It's one of the most biodiverse places in the entire world, but yet development is happening at an increased amount of rate, right? And there's not, and, and the government's hands are tied in a lot of ways too, because this is private land ownership. And, you know, and, and, you know, we provide, you know, them to sell it, which is, you know, they're right, right? And so where can the funding come from? I know California's got some things going on. I think they use the carbon, they use their carbon tax to help fund those programs and things, if I'm, I'm remembering correctly. But, you know, we need to start looking at those innovative solutions on how we help our residents conserve their own land. Um, because, you know, especially in the height of inflation and things like that, people do need money, right? They are looking out for themselves and um, and their families and, and they want to provide food on their table and, and a good quality of life. And there's nothing wrong with that. But how can we provide them with that good quality of life with, with and keep this land in conservation that's absolutely essential for our habitat restoration and fragmentation? Absolutely. Yeah, we use that a lot. We use conservation easements, um, entitlements, that sort of thing. Green finance is so fascinating. I love it. <laughs> So our final question is, what is the future of resilience for the city of Palm Coast? 
Well, you know, we're really looking into how, you know, first we're looking into our plan. So we're looking into creating a plan, um, which we're very excited for. And, you know, um, Resilient Florida, you know, they've got a lot of dollars going to resiliency initiatives. So I always encourage people to check that out. Um, but really, you know, it's, it's, it's about flooding and sea level rise here. You know, I think it's different in other places. We do have a wildfire threat, um, but really focusing in um, on our most current needs, which is that, um, because, you know, we, we really want to mitigate some of this flooding. We are at the city of Palm coast surrounded by water. So we need to make sure that we're planning, um, future development and we're doing a great job. I mean, we have a lot of wetlands under conservation that we will not be developing, which I'm very excited for. And I applaud the city and the city's leadership for doing such a great job at that. Um, but you know, for these areas that are getting flooded, how, how can we stop that? Right. And so that, that's our big push. I think the future of resiliency um, is yet to be determined. I think that innovation is needed. Um, you know, I see a lot of, okay, well, let's harden the building. So I think we have to be careful. Um, we've got to be very strategic. Not every building needs to be hardened. Um, and so, you know, how can we look into those different things and, you know, move forward? But I, I think it's yet to be determined. A continuing work. So thank you to Maven. <laughs> and thanks for listening to The Peel. To get involved with South Face Sarasota, visit southface.org Sarasota. Until next time, stay sunny.